This United We Stand podcast is brought to you in association with The Athletic, a place you go for top quality sports writing. There's no clickbait, there's no pop-up ads, there's no ridiculous transfer rumours to be let down by. Just top quality sports and football writing. There's loads of Manchester United stuff on there. Last week I spoke to Neil Wood and he talked through the emerging youngsters at Manchester United. Daniel Taylor did a big piece on Ravel Morrison. Laurie Whitwell's done several pieces in the last week. And Carl Anker is writing about Manchester United as well. New subscribers can take advantage of a special offer where it's £1 a month. If you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand, that's theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand. And new subscribers can try some of this brilliant sports writing for just £1 a month. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. And this podcast is going to be about tactics. And joining us is Ashley Westwood. Ash played over 400 professional games in a 22-year playing career from 1995 to 2007. Played for England under-18s. He was an FA Youth Cup winner with Manchester United in 1995. He won promotion to the Premier League with Bradford City in 2000. He played in all England's top five divisions. Played at centre-half with Sean Dyche at Northampton Town in a defensive partnership which was rated as the hardest in English football. And then he became a coach. He was the head coach of Bengaluru and won the Indian League in 2014. Won the Federation Cup in 2015, got to the Asian Champions League in 2015, Coach of the Year in India in 2015, A-League Champion 2016, and he'd also been assistant manager with Michael Appleton at um, Portsmouth, Blackburn Rovers and Blackpool. Hello Ash, thanks for joining us in Sydney, Australia. Yeah, that's good, mate. Sounds like I've wrote that one myself. Sounds like I've, I've done all right there. You're making me sound better than I was. <laughs> I mentioned Michael Appleton there. and Obviously, you know Michael very well, and I've known him for a long time too. Uh, I spoke to him yesterday, not realising that he was playing Liverpool last night. I'm gutted that I didn't do an interview with him. I reckon that's marked yeah. myself down as a journalist there for not knowing that. Um, but Appy's doing yeah, well him, as a uh, manager. Yeah, I sent him a little message yesterday, just, you know, a good game for you and just sent me one of the little emojis back with like the eyes popping out. Uh, obviously, I think he knew he was in for a, a tough time against Liverpool. I think I think they're probably one of the teams that, you know, you love as a, as a you know, a lower league manager for like with Lincoln playing against the Premier League boys. But I think if there's one team you don't want to play against, it would be Liverpool. And even though Liverpool made loads of changes, they're just, uh, they're, one word for me that just, typifies Liverpool it's just intensity everything they do is just so intense so you don't get a second um, they just smother you with energy and pace and power and obviously uh, they turned Lincoln over quite heavily yesterday which was uh, you know unfortunate for Michael to play against but I'm sure his players have, have learned some good lessons out of that and some professional lessons as well watching Liverpool at their best Ash, we're not talking about Liverpool. This is the United We Stand podcast. <laughs> got readers... I know that's probably uh, too complimentary about it. Liverpool. I, I will iterate that I 
I can't stand them if I'm being honest, but sometimes you just got to hold your hands up when they're in such good form. Okay, they're the current world champions, unfortunately. What I've done with this one is I've invited readers on the United We Stand website to put questions to you because everyone's got an opinion yeah. on tactics and the way that Manchester United play. Not everyone's a UEFA pro coach like you are. So it's to bow to your knowledge as, as a tactician and just to ask some questions that fans sometimes can be a bit, a bit baffled by. Um, so the first one is from, from Mark C. Why do United struggle more than other teams to get the ball to the final third? Is it a lack of structure in the build-up like City and Arsenal or purely down to technical ability and the lack of, lack of left-footed players? Yeah, I think it's a, a combination of a few. Um, you know, Man United, if you watch them, there's certain teams that they do well against and there's certain teams they struggle against. And it's always the teams that, that sit off and play the 4-4-2. Um, obviously, Man United have been using 4-2-3-1, which is, is predominantly two sitting midfielders, which against Crystal Palace was Pogba and McTominay. So everything seems to be in front of the two banks of four that Crystal Palace have. You know, United in, in that game looked their most dangerous when there was a turnover of possession and they can quickly almost on the counter-attack. But Man United being Man United at home are not going to be a counter-attack side against Crystal Palace. Um, so it's about trying to get the ball between the lines, really. And that's why, obviously, they signed Bruno Fernandes, who didn't do that great against Crystal Palace. But it was because they couldn't get him in the areas where he's most effective, which is behind that midfielder. So when you play Palace, you know what's going to happen. As soon as they score first, you're in big trouble um, because they're going to sit off deep. They're going to have two blocks of four defending tight and compact, so there's not much space to, to, to hurt them. There's not a lot of space in behind them, which is what Rashford loves, which, which Green loves, even Marshall loves. And then you've got Pogba and McTominay almost sitting on top of the back four, trying to trying to start the playoff, and, and everything's fairly comfortable, Crystal Palace. So I think the things you need to do is try and move, move the ball really quickly, have minimal touches, and, and try and hurt Crystal Palace when they're expansive. It's almost like I think you have to be a bit cuter as a as maybe a coach or a coaching staff, which is dangerous. You want Crystal Palace to attack you. So when they commit numbers forwards, you can move that ball quickly and hurt them. But like I say, as soon as teams sit off, it's, it's hard. And that's why when they go to Luton, Luton try and play football, they had nothing to lose. And there's more spaces for, for Man United to hurt them. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, and, and you know, it's you know at home, Old Trafford, when teams come and sit off, it's always going to be difficult. I know in the past they've they've even struggled against Burnley doing the same kind of tactics. Matt Ford, um, in a similar sort of vein, does Ash believe United are tactically one-dimensional and over -re overly reliant on counter-attacking? And if not, what other tactical approaches has he identified? Yeah, I think. I think they have been a little bit like that in the past. That's why, you know, they've had some good results, you know, against Man City, um, Chelsea, because they're, they're the teams that will come and try and attack Man United and, and they, they can revert to this counter-attacking, which, which suits the kind of personnel at the club. Now, obviously, they're well aware of that, the coaching staff. You can see that in the signings. Van der Beek, Bruno Fernandes are people that operate as an attacking midfielder. Um, but I just I just don't like me that the 4-2-3-1... Um, you know, you look at Bayern Munich that do play 4-2-3-1, but they, they do it a little bit different. You know, they'll have a sitter. It was, was Kimmich last night in the Super Cup. In the past, it's been Thiago. But then they have Muller playing as a number 10 who's always getting in advance 
of Lewandowski, who's the forward, centre forward, and Goretzka from midfield. Nearly every single time a cross comes in the box, you'll see Goretzka in that box as an attacking midfielder. So I, I think they need to just play one holding midfielder. Obviously, the Premier League can be tough if you do that because you sometimes need a couple of screeners because people like to drop players into pockets of space to get the ball and turn at your back four. So sometimes you like the protection of the screeners. But if you are going to be Man United and you are going to be on the front foot, I think you need to release one of those midfielders and make sure you get two forward. It's, it's what Man City do. Man City are, are quite clever at holding width with Sterling on the left, maybe Maris on the right, whoever it may be, one centre forward. But then there's always two attacking midfielders that push into that forward line, whether that's De Bruyne, Phil Foden. And it's almost like Man City play five across the front when they attack. And if you look at Man United, it's very much a three. Rashford plays quite narrow. Luke Shaw tries to give the width on the left-hand side. Um, and and back it was it was forced with Mensah um, that tried to do but didn't get forward very well against Palace so they were they were lacking a little bit in that department so they they try and use the fullbacks a little bit more than, than what Man City do but um, certainly I think tactically you know there needs to be the, the odd tweak here and there to uh, to release one of these midfielders and get more numbers more bodies in the box. So again, on a similar theme, Rosemount Red. Why are United so susceptible to the counter-attack and how can they stop it? Well, they, they have a lot of possession um, and, and that means you're always going to be fairly vulnerable to the counter-attack. I think they've, they've tried to rectify it with these two screeners, um, the two midfielders. But I think basically, you know, if you, if you look back to the, the Alex Ferguson days, he wanted central defenders that were mobile, you know, with the exception of Steve Bruce without caning him. I'm sure he won't mind just saying that. We all know Steve Bruce wasn't that quick. But alongside Steve Bruce was Gary Palace that was deceptively quick. Had a massive long stride and never really got done for pace. Um, you look at Rio Ferdinand, people like that. So one of the things that Ferguson used to love was, was central defenders being able to defend 2v2, no problem. So it doesn't matter. You know, that's why they always attack. That's why they'd always score late goals because they'll take those risks and their flood numbers falls, but they weren't punished many times by counter-attacking because they had mobile central defenders. Now Lindelof's a little bit more mobile than Maguire, but you know I don't I don't think he's the answer. Um, you know for me he could be a bit more competitive in the air, doesn't doesn't dominate his opponents aerially. So I think to try and help not be done by the counter-attackers, you need players that can handle defending in one v one situations, and they need to be mobile. They need to be. Fast. Randall Flagg wants to know, people talk about other coaches and teams having set attacking moves and variations that they drill and which are then second nature or automated on the pitch. Like City always seem to score that same goal off a low cross or a pull back to the, to the back post. Have you seen evidence of Solskjaer putting set attacking patterns into place? Or do you think, um, does he seem to be of the Mourinho way of thinking that attacking players just improvise and you just trust that one of them will pull something out of the bag? No, no, I think, obviously, you know, there's always patterns of play. Obviously, he's got Carrick and he's got Kieran McKenna at the club that are two, you know, top coaches, really. You know, I've seen them train first-hand in, in, in pre-season over in Perth and, and they do do go through patterns of play, you know, repetition of movements and, you know, whether that'll be Rashford dropping into a pocket of space and then Luke Shaw getting on the outside of him. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you're signing top players like Bruno Fernandes. It doesn't always go to plan when you when you play against a Crystal Palace that, that sits off in two banks of four and almost let you have it. Then it doesn't matter. You, you need to penetrate. You need to get in behind. You need to make those killing passes. 
and it comes by speed of pass and, and decision making. You know, it only takes a couple of your, you know, super players, which is for me Bruno Fernandes and, and Pogba to have a little bit of an off game, and, and that makes all the difference. It's the same. You know, if Man City get two or three, all of a sudden, then they're not the Man City of of the way they can dominate things. So there's, there's lots of factors in it. It's, it's not always simple. Of course, they, they practice different patterns of play, but it's it's tough. Um, you know, we've all done it as coaches. You know, you, you play 10 v 6, 10, and you put that eight just sitting on the, on the edge of your box in two banks of four, and, and the attacking side, it, it's it's very, very hard to score, which is why transition is a, is a big part of football and, and moving that ball forward quickly when people come out of their little pockets of space. I mean, you know, you're playing against a Premier League side in Crystal Palace with a very, very organised head coach as Roy Hodgson that's, that's very intricate on on 11 v 11, on who goes where and when and why. Um, and it's hard to break them down because that's that's how they set up. That's that's their game plan. Their game plan is you won't break us down. So it's not as easy as just, you know, rehearsing a couple of different movements. You know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of things that goes into scoring a goal. It's, it's an old cliche, but it's the hardest thing to do in football is to score a goal. Um, Lonely Fire asked a, a similar question, so I'm not going to repeat that. Um, Himanshu is, hi Ash, I'm from India. Uh, I'd l- like to ask you about the standard you've seen in India and how it compares to the lower league in England. And what are your thoughts on our league and if we are pr- at all progressing? Because you're a bit of a man in India, yeah, aren't well, you? Definitely you, you progressed. go on TV all the time in India. Well, you've won the league twice, Ash. So. Yeah, I, I, do, I do a bit of work. I, do, I cover most Champions League games and whether it's the Euros, the World Cup. Um, we do Serie A as well, the Italian football at the weekend. So, get, get regular appearances on the Indian TV. But I think regards India, you know, I, I first went there 2017 and the standard has, has certainly improved at a, a mass rate. Um, you know, when I, I first went the I League, there was four foreigners. Then they had the ISL where it was seven foreigners and you could play six. I think this year they've They've knocked it down to, to six and you can play five. So they're, they're slowly bringing the, the, the rate of foreigners allowed to play per team because the Indians are getting better. Um, it's hard to compare. I mean, the big difference is in England is match practice. You know, if you're a, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, nine-year-old, whatever it may be, from, from that early age, you're in your local club side, you're training twice a week, you're playing every weekend and you just get lots of matches. Now, that's almost impossible for an Indian boy. You know, most Indians will probably start playing games at the age of 12, 14. You know, they don't get that early match practice like like the, the European boys do. Um, so although, you know, a, a human's a, an animal and, and you can train as an athlete and you can prepare fitness-wise and you can improve that physicality, speed, nutrition, whatever it may be, it's just that, it's that game management, that, that um, you know, football is, intelligence really that that's a little bit behind in India um, you know it's anticipation you, you know you practice as many times as you want as a as an, a European boy by the time you get to the age of 18 you've, you've probably played three four hundred games you know that's from the age of five or six whether that's 10 minutes each way whatever it may be so you get that competitive element and you get match practice it's like anything um, you know goalkeepers become fine goalkeepers at over the age of 30 because they've played so many games and the decision making's better. Um, you know, it's like if, if, if you've got a ball and, you, and you're at section A on the field and you're passing to B, the football then tells you, I mean, if you're, if you're option C or D, you're already on the move because you can work out that that ball's about to arrive from your, your centre-half to your full-back. You start to make your move two or three passes before because you can anticipate. In India, it's a little bit more reactive 
because they haven't had that that game practice like the European boys have. But it's it's getting better. It's like anything; it'll just take time. There's no quick fix. As the facilities improve, as the standard improves, as as academies set up, which are doing that, as the the Indian ISR and I League clubs start using their reserves and the and the younger players, everybody gets more game time. You just need to play football as, as much as possible, and that's the challenging factor in India is just the facilities and, and getting as much practice as you need. And with a population of 1.1 billion, I think it is, there's no shortage of people, and football seems to be becoming very popular there, uh, especially in certain cities. Um, we had uh, an interview with the Calcutta Reds um, last week. The next question is from Simond01. Why do you think we, that's Manchester United, persist in trying to play out from the back on every goal kick? Um, we don't have a when we don't have a, a keeper or the majority of the back four who are comfortable on the ball, our goal kicks are becoming a goal-scoring opportunities for the opposition. Well, you just try and you, you try and control the game, and you try and dictate your style and your play. Um, you know, if you kick that ball long, it becomes a fight ball, and and it's it's a it's a little bit of luck really where it's going to go. You, you're going to be challenging an aerial duel with somebody. The second ball is going to fall down, and, and you've got, then got to contest that. If, if you play up from the back, you know you retain possession of the ball nine times out of ten. Yes, there's a mix-up. There was a little bit of a mix-up in the Crystal Palace game with, with De Gea and McTominay. I think De Gea passed it to McTominay. McTominay was caught flat-footed, and uh, you know they've gifted it to Crystal Palace twenty yards from the goal. They were, they were lucky to get away with that one, but it does happen. But you, you've got to control your own destiny, really, which is why coaches play out from the back, which is why they want to play out from the back. Obviously, you've just got to make sure you do it correctly. Um, you know, against Crystal Palace, there was there was no reason to to not be successful with your goal kicks because Crystal Palace drop off. They're not even pressing you to, to make it difficult for you. So it just, sometimes it can be a little bit of rustiness, a little bit of sloppiness. You know, it's been well documented. It's been a real strange pre-season. You know, you normally get five or six pre-season games to get the cobwebs out. The Man United players went went late, obviously, into the Europa League and and whatnot, and they they only got probably ten days off. So mentally, they're still not fully refreshed, if you like, to start the new season. And then it takes you three or four weeks to get going with with four or five practice matches. So I think that's the reason why the uh, the Cabarero Cup's been been quite strong this year. Normally, you know, if you're looking at games, you, you never know who's going to play what team, who's going to get rested. But most of the Premier League times have. have have applied themselves correctly with the strongest size, really, in that Cabaret Cup because they need the game time. They need they need to iron out the creases from the from the off season and, and get going again. Rude girl wants to know when you watch United, can you gauge with your coaching experience what the tactics are? Do they seem obvious to the trained eye? Do you think the team would benefit from a dedicated defensive coach? Yeah, I think. Um, you, you can certainly see what they're trying to do with with a four-two-three-one. Like I say, they're, they're creating width on the left-hand side with Shaw getting in advance of, of Rashford. Rashford tries to drop into little pockets. He likes to get the ball to feet to turn and dribble a, a defender so he can cut in on his right foot and be successful. Bruno Fernandez is is probably the one who's a little bit unpredictable where he, he roams, you know, everywhere across that midfield and in that number ten position, just trying to find space to get on the ball and. And what he wants to do is get turned. He wants to face up to the opposition's defence, receiving that ball in behind the opposition's midfielder. Uh, Pogba and McTominay have, have been sitting, providing that shield, what, which I've already mentioned is, for me, one of those needs to be released to get forward a lot more. 
they can be a little bit more expansive. I know he played Dan James on the right-hand side, who got withdrawn at half-time. He was trying to provide width, but for me, he doesn't really work on the right. You know, he's somebody that also likes to cut in on his right from the left-hand side. When he's on the right, you know, providing the width, he's a little bit predictable. You know, he's going to go down the outside of you if you're the left-back. And as long as you win your foot race, you, you're going to get your block on your crosses. He's not, he's not going to, you know, dazzle you with, with plenty of skill. He's more about pace and getting that half a yard for his cross. Um, and obviously, Marshall is, the, is the, the number nine at the minute. Yes, he had a great season last season and he, he scored plenty of goals, took his chances well, but he still doesn't, for me, play on, on shoulders, which is what I think they need. You know, he, he likes to drop into space as well. He likes to get turned. He likes to play in that little pocket. Sometimes you'll see him drift out to the left-hand side because he wants to cut in on his right-hand foot. But I just think they need a, a different kind of option because they, they're a little bit predictable in that, you know, Rashford, Marshall, Bruno Fernandes, Pogba, they're always coming towards the ball. They don't really seem to stretch it so much, stretch the play. They, the stretching the play is more on the counter-attack for them. So I, I think they need somebody, not not saying Vardy, obviously, because he's all, but, you know, you have a picture of Vardy and he's always playing on shoulders. He's always making those runs to try and get him behind. And, and if he's making those runs, the defence are dropping off and then all of a sudden the defence drops off and that provides a bit of space for Bruno Fernandes. So I think you need someone to, to go the other way. Um, so they, they can be a little bit predictable at time, which is why Crystal Palace set up the way they set up, to, to make Man United predictable, to make everything happen in front of those two banks of four. So I think uh, that there's definitely an, another option that's needed. Um, and, and that's somebody that, that runs in behind constantly from that centre-forwards position. Fraudulent wants to know, why are United so abysmal at corners? I mean, in, the, in an attacking sense. Um, but we're not that great at defending them either, he says. Yeah, it's almost a dying trade these days. I mean, I was looking at Man United at, at Crystal Palace and in the first half, there was, there was three or four long kicks out of the goalkeeper's hand that Paul Pogba's challenging for and, and the back four had dropped off. Now, for me, I was a central defender. I'd be telling that Pogba to get out of the way, get up the field. I want to add this. You know, there's not many central defenders these days that actually enjoy heading the ball. Now, Maguire is, is, is one of those. Um, I'm sure that Lindelof doesn't enjoy heading the ball. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't impose himself physically on, on the opposition. Um, and obviously, Academy is always rolling out from the back. You know, defenders like to look pretty these days and spray a 50-yard pass rather than, than being your John Terry kind of one that rolls his sleeves up or gets a cut eyes, Steve Bruce, whatever you want, who like enjoy heading. It's, it's, it's almost a dying trade. And that maybe links back to the old question when a specialist defensive coach, I just think if you've got somebody at that club that's, that's being a central defender, that's got his five, six, seven hundred games under his belt, you know, there's little things that, that you, know how to, you know how to use your body, you know how to you know, pull someone's arm at the right time without giving a penalty, where you know how to lean on people, you know how to make it you know, almost impossible for someone to score against you. But first and foremost, you've got to enjoy that defending side of the game to take pride that no one's winning this. I mean, when I played, if, if I didn't get the first contact on a corner, I'd be devastated. And, that, and that's, never mind if somebody scored. If somebody scored, you, you know, you feel like you've completely let your team down because that's what you prided yourself on. Uh, you know, I, all the clubs I was at, I would always be, you always have normally five markers from corners and I would always be number one marker. Even though I wasn't massive, I was six foot. You just make it your specialist event, if you like, that this centre-forward this centre or centre-half, whoever it is I'm, I've been allocated to mark, 
he's not heading this ball on, on over my dead body and it's not happening. And there's ways to do that. There's ways to defend. But first and foremost, it's, it's the mentality to make sure that that, that player's not going to win that header. Did you and Sean Dyche always play in the Corinthian spirit? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it obviously a little bit different as well. Back then, we were not talking like 50 years ago, but you didn't have your VARs. You, you know, there's sometimes you... I still remember saying for years, what do you mean, ref, it's a yellow card? It's my first, it's my first one. Now, obviously, that used to be a rule years ago that you could have a, almost a free hit, if you like, without getting booked. And obviously, you go from 19 to, to 30. I was still saying in my 30s, ref, it's my first one. And it was like that rule died 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no free anymore. If it's a foul, it's a yellow. So well, is that? So you could, you could get away with a little bit more. You could, you could dominate opponents a little bit more because there was no... There's no big brother out if you like looking at you and you, and you could impose yourself and, and, and do a little bit of a couple of naughty things really and get away with it. Nowadays, you've got to be clean. You know, any contacts are foul. So it is a little bit hard to, to impose yourself physically on people like you could do back in those days. Um, you, you're answering these very diplomatically, but Michael Appleton told me a story yesterday about your final game as a professional footballer. You were his assistant and I think it was a friendly game and I'm going to let you tell the story and let's see if it tallies with Michael's version of events. I think it, well, it, it, it actually weren't my last one because I ended up playing another one against uh, Plymouth in the, in the cup game where I, uh, I actually broke my ankle, believe it or not. I jumped and landed on someone's foot and rolled my ankle. So that was my final, final first game, which was, a, I think, it lasted about 34 minutes. But we had one, we were playing, I think we were playing Brighton pre-season somewhere in Spain. It might have been Marbella or something like that. And you know, these, the behind closed doors, friendlies are all, you know, fairly nicey-nicey and there's no crowd and you can hear every single thing that goes on. And uh, I think Gus Poyet was the manager and I think we were getting battered at half-time. I don't know if it was two or three. And so I've gone, happy, you know, sack this off, mate. Get me on, this is a joke. We can't have this. So I've gone on, I think, at half-time or whatever it was, and within 30 seconds, the old red mist has come out, and I didn't even realise. It's just that, I don't know, like red rag to the bull. You see a 50-50, and you've got an opportunity to take everything with you. Ball, man, sangria, salt, whatever's on the table, you can take it with your two feet. And Well, fortunately, I didn't injure the lad, but it looked like I did. Um and I just managed to clear everything out, and then you get up straight away, and there's a little bit of a pitch mill, and you think, Jesus Christ, what have I just done now? I'm supposed to be assistant manager, eh? Just relating. So, <laughs> so maybe it was that story. <laughs> yeah, it was that story, and he was thinking, for fuck's sake, Ash. And he said that you signalled to him <laughs> as if to say, all right, I've gone over the top here. <laughs> but it made me laugh. Well, literally gone over the top. I nearly went over his throat, never mind his top. <laughs> it was uh, a daft one, but... Sometimes you just can't help it, can you? And uh, it happens. But um, thankfully, they they took it well. Um, they had, I can't remember the centre-half they had, who was uh, a bit of an animal at the time. Um, I don't know if he was Moroccan. Tell, tell Ben Tal or something like that, you'd have to Google it. He played there for years. He went too happy with it, put it that way. Went to um, Bucharest in March and was doing a piece on Stour, who became the first East European team to win the European Cup in, in 86. So, so they're obviously brilliant. And spoke to one of the legendary players, and he, he didn't have great English. And he, and he said, yeah, I, I played for Brighton. Like, what? 
And like he did, you know, there's so many stories in football that just go totally under, yeah. the, under the radar. And when I googled him, he's like 600 games for um, Stour Bucharest and, and 35 for Brighton. So yeah, close to Gatwick, hmm. Gatwick Airport. Anyway, more questions. Red Hot Night 99 said, "How important is having fullbacks who can produce?" Quality going forward in modern football, especially when it comes to breaking down well-drilled teams playing defensively. Ah, it's it's well. Again, we we don't like to reference them too much, but if you look at Liverpool and he took Trent Arnold out and Robinson out of Liverpool's side, there's no way they would have won the, the Premier League by the amount that they won it last year. Um, you know the assist that they provide. You know Arnold as well with with dead balls situations with that direct free kicks and and they can produce. Um, it, but it you know it depends how you set up. Now Man City are a little bit different. Um, you know their fullbacks don't get forward as much. They give a little bit more protection if you like, um, and the, and they they allow Mares and and Sterling if it is on the left or you know if Sani was there when he, before he went to Bayern Munich. They leave the the wingers to provide the width if you like, um, and the fullbacks mainly give a bit of security and, and just back up. But the way Man United play, they are looking to the full-backs to produce. I think that's why possibly uh, Solskjaer's after maybe a left-back because, you know, not saying Shaw's not good enough because he is, he's a good player, but obviously he's, he's not reliable regards his, his fitness all the time. He seems to pick up injuries every season, you know, whether that's five games, ten, day, ten games. You know, if you miss... Like again, you, you refer if you, if you take the fullbacks out of Liverpool side and they miss ten games, and it's going to seriously weaken them. So they definitely need competition at left back because um, you know if Shaw goes down, that they've only really got Williams that's that's not naturally left footed that won't give as much width as what Shaw will. So it is uh, important. You know they they get forward the fullbacks, they provide crosses, and and certainly when you're playing against your two banks of four in Palace again, you, you need people to break lines, you need people to get in behind. And that could be your fullback. Like we've mentioned, Rashford is right-footed, so he likes to pop into that little space. He doesn't hold his width all the time. So on the left-hand side, you definitely need a left-back bombing in advance as Rashford. And possibly will be the same on the right-hand side when, when Greenwood plays, because um, he also will like to get into little pockets of space. And, and you'll be looking at Wan-Bissaka to get in advance as him, get down the sides, a bit of combination play, and, and maybe get put in behind the defence to supply a cross. Yeah, you're absolutely right on why... United want another left back. It's Oli Gunnar likes Luke Shaw, but as you say, he's he's injury prone. He doesn't want to be, but but he has been. Um, United are speaking to Alex Tellis from FC Porto, so hopefully that can come off. Um, next question from uh, readers of United We Stand's website is David Moist. We had a phase at the end of last season where we were getting into dangerous areas, and Maguire kept heading over. Um, Back to struggling to beat the first man again now. Uh, it's embarrassing United's players can't beat a man. It must be tactical because we bring in players who are good at set pieces and the longer they're here, the worse they get. Nothing will best when Phil Jones started taking corners under Van Hall. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Bruno Fernandes is, for me, uh, very, very good at those set pieces. Um, you know, he's got huge ability. I'm, I'm pretty sure... You know, he, he delivers the ball, you know, in a high percentage of the time where, where he wants to deliver it. Um, so I, 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 I would expect that to get better. But it's like anything, you know, set pieces are, you know, it's a, a known fact, roughly 30% of, of all goals are scored from a set piece. So it's, it's an important area of football. But it's, you know, 
Premier League players that they don't probably go away for six months and you do different topics. So one lad was, was set pieces in football and he sent, I think it was 25 or something, of course, you've got Gary Rowick, Gary Bowyer, Robbie Fowler, um, Michael Emanuel was the sporting director at Chelsea at the time, Kieran McKenna, Man United was there, Joe Edwards, Chelsea was there. There was, there was plenty of different, Craig Short now at Oxford. Loads of, obviously, football people, loads of experience in the room. And, and this one lad's topic, I think it was Dave Livermore's topic, who's the assistant at uh, Cardiff with Neil Harris, who, who also was on the course. Both of them was on it. They were Millwall at the time. And he got set pieces and practising set pieces. So he sent a survey to everyone of how long do you practise on set pieces per week in your training schedule? Now, on a, roughly on a training schedule, they say it's about 300 minutes per week is on the training field practising. Now, out of everybody that replied to him, the 25 candidates, everybody put rough, the average was 30 minutes. So he's saying, so out of your 300 minutes that you practice on the training field, you only delegate 30 minutes to actually practicing pieces. So that's obviously 10%. Why is it only a ratio when 30, 34% of goals are scored from set pieces? Do, do we practice it enough? Now, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I remember asking because then it's question and answers. I remember asking a question and listen, I don't care. To, to reenact set pieces, really, you've got to have people that want to cut their heads, if you like. So if you're slinging a ball and, and you're defending set pieces, how many Premier League players are going to go and head that ball or even, you know, put their elbow across one of their teammates, you know, to, to get that competitive element to practice it correctly? 300 minutes on the grass, yeah. you know, people only allocate roughly 30 minutes. And they were just saying, you know, it doesn't equate to the to the statistic that you score 30 percent of goals from set pieces, but like my argument was, it's it's tough to recreate competitive element. You know, you're playing against teammates, you're training. Premier League players don't really want to practice. You know, they don't want to practice defending set pieces. They'll practice where everybody stands, the structure, who stands where. But if you start slinging balls into a box, you know, who's going to go and, and head it properly? Who's going to use the right aggression? And it's hard to, to get that that practice element in, which which really defies logic. You know, these are Premier League players getting paid thousands a week, but it's hard to, you know. Also, you don't you don't want injuries in training. You don't want someone to split their eye or, or cut their heads because they you're practicing set pieces. So for me, it's always been a dicey one. It's always been a tricky one to to do. Yes, you can practice your technique of delivery. You can practice your technique of, of dead ball situations on on free kicks, direct free kicks, or a little bit of innovation, some inventive set pieces where there's some movement, some second phases, but the competitive element in training to, to really practice that art of defending a corner is hard to, to recreate. It normally comes through your um, you know, your your youth development or your under twenty ones, but you know, even at twenty years of age you've still not done it enough to, to master it. Okay. Do you think, asks Murtaza, that Van der Beek was signed to replace Pogba in the wrong, long run, or will United try and utilise the Dutchman's versatility and convert him into a deeper lying player? Yeah, I just think first and foremost he's a good player, um, and and they could have, you know, you recruit him at the right price, so that, so they weren't going to turn it down. You know, the the secret is now: can he fit in? Can he blend in? You know, I've seen him play. You know, I was a massive fan of Ajax when they, when they were on fire a couple of years ago in the Champions League. I covered most of the games and he's he's very, very good at, at arriving in the box 
and getting a goal. Now he's not he's not a magician, if you like, as a number ten like Bruno Fernandes can be. He's he's a, he's kind of a box to box midfielder that breaks lines. So for me, you know, for him to go in the, the best three midfielders of that club, hands down, he's gonna be Bruno Fernandes, Bogba and, and Van der Beek. Now how do you get them in? For me, you would maybe have to sit Bogba and allow the other two to get into the box and get forward. But then arguably you know, you watch Pogba play for France and sometimes he'll play as a number 10. You know, he'll get forward. Griezmann plays there a lot, but sometimes Griezmann might play on, on the, on the right-hand side and, and Pogba will be the midfielder that likes to get forward. And I think, you know, Pogba in the past under Mourinho, you don't get the best out of him when you restrict him. If you tell Pogba to sit in front of the back four, I think he gets bored and he starts being a little bit sloppy because he, he wants to get forward and make things happen. So there needs to be... That midfield trio for me needs to play and it needs to have license like a little bit like Bayern Munich where they can all do everything but they all know like if if these two go forward I have to sit if that if if you know these these this man sits I go forward and and a, and a, a midfield trio combination of those three fully interchanging fully rotating and all working hard for each another and all filling in for one another you know, you only have to watch Bayern Munich do that. You know, Muller, if Muller runs in front of Lewandowski, Lewandowski will fill in the hole. Sometimes Muller will drop deep and get the ball and Goretzka will get forward. You know, Gnabry on the right-hand side will get across right over to the left and then you'll Muller go and replace Gnabry. There's lots of interchange and fluid football with Bayern Munich and they're all well-drilled at, at all recognising when a piece of the jigsaw is moved, it's my job to go and replace that piece over there. And that's the strength of Bayern Munich. So for me, United need to do a little bit of that. So it's not restrictive. It's not your playing there and putting a, a certain peg in a certain situation. There needs to be some fluidity and some flexibility. And I'm sure you know that's what Solskjaer wants. I know, having spoken to him last preseason, that that was something that he was looking at. But it's obviously, you know, you need games and you need to iron it out and you need to practice it in training. And you need the willingness and the character of the players to, to be able to do that and be disciplined to fill in for one another when, when somebody moves out of a certain position. Last five minutes now. I know you're busy. I know your partner is a Manchester United fan, isn't she? Yeah, it's massive Man United fan. Um, I've got the old Sir Matt Busby way little corner on the uh, street sign in my living room coming down the stairs, that little tin thing that you, everyone buys from the souvenir shop. She's had the same little shitty Velcro Man United wallet for years that she carries around with her, so does her dad. And I've got pictures of her going to school as a little girl, whatever age it was, nine, ten, with a, a shitty little Man United rucksack that she's still got to this day. So uh, a huge Man United fan, which um, less, is quite interesting at of, times. Less of the shitty little rucksack. Melanie is a top-life-ranked <laughs> top hey, United fan. Hey, no, nah, it's not because it's... Not cause it's yeah. I think it's because I'm saying shitty because they're so old and in such bad condition. Um, obviously, when they're brand new, they're not. But, you know, you can't get any more Man United from having one of those Velcro wallets and a rucksack, can you? Mel presented MUTV's coverage from the pre-season tour uh, last season. She's a very familiar face on Australian television and she absolutely loves the football. And we've met her. She's a, she's, she's a top girl. Last couple of minutes now. Why is Rashford... Well, she a dog, a dog, a... A family dog was Eric. <laughs> she named it after Eric Cantona. That's class. That's another one she had. And she's, and she's landed a, a lad from Manchester as well. So there you go. 
Why has Rashford stopped using his pace, power and strength to take on opposition defenders? Asks Twister. And Bruard responds to that, saying he's been pretty poor in 2020, but I'm sure he'll turn it around again soon. And then someone yeah, else has, has added to that, a actually, player that, saying it appears to me like he's changed his game and he's now basing it on how Neymar plays. So there you go, three points to get into. Yeah, I think, um, he's, again, he needs, he needs space to run in behind to utilise that pace. If he receives the ball tight to the, the touchline and you've got an opposition fullback that, that gets it tight to you, then it's hard to... to to emphasise your pace because you've got to get half a yard, you've got to be able to knock the ball, manipulate the ball to get past him and then open your legs. You know, he's, he's, he shows his pace on, on counter-attacks. You know, whether, they, whether they're defending the corner and they're sprinting to attack, then you'll see him use his pace. But, you know, it's relatively to, to where you receive the ball and how you can receive the ball to be able to use that. Um, you know, my vision of Rashford is, is getting those balls in, in tight situations of the corner of the box and, and managing to manipulate, get half a yard and get his right foot strikes off and, and finishing finishing goals. Um, I'm sure we're going to see the best of him. He's, he's obviously got a, a good attitude. He's in it for the right reasons, and uh, you know he's, he's a good good player. Um, he just needs, for me, just just to be able to get a few games under his belt like the rest of them and, and start getting confident again with you know when it becomes just second nature, half a yard, bang goal. A little bit like the fall, like Greenwood was in last year. A lot of his goals are just took early, without thinking, just kind of instinctive, you know, strikers' goals. Jisung Park Life wants to know, does Ash think that Maguire and Lindelof will ever be a viable partnership or are they too similar as players? Yeah, I just think, for me, I, I was a, a right foot central defence and at times you, you end up on the left and, and you never really feel comfortable. Um, now, I know he's, he's not bad on the ball and, and he can do that, but you naturally don't open up onto your left-hand foot, onto your left foot with your first touch like you do on the right. Your angles are all different. You know, your defending angles are different. Sometimes if you're getting tucked down the outside, you slide tackling with your left foot when it's not your dominant foot. It's not your right foot where it becomes easier if someone's taking you down your right-hand side. So I think a left-footed centre-half is, is a must. Um, and, that, and that will complement everything. It becomes natural as you, as you open your body. You know, you t you know I, I defend, you jump off your left leg if you're right-footed. You know, it's just little things like that. You, you know, you open up to clearances a lot easier when you play on the right-hand side. Um, and, and for me, that that's, that has to happen. Um, so two right-footed centre-halves is always not as natural as, as you would if you, if you play a left-footer and a right-footer. So to see the best of Maguire, for me, he has to play on the right. Final question from Viper. Why do United have all the players in the box to defend a corner, leaving no outlet for a counter-attack on or near the halfway line? It was brought in by Moyes, but no manager has changed it since. Why do we struggle so much against this high, against high-pressing teams? I just, I just think it's a statistics game. There's a lot of research goes into football. Um, you know, if you put 11 players in your 18-yard box, then you know you've got more security. There's more spaces covered, and there's a, there's a higher percentage chance that you'll get one of your bodies on the end of it. I used to leave two up, to be honest, um, but obviously that's not in the Premier League. And, and leaving two up means that they have to leave three back. They leave the goalkeeper back. So there's four. One takes the corner six there's only five players in the box then that, that becomes I think fairly easy to, to mark but to do that you've got to have five players that enjoy heading the ball and if you look at Man United's side who enjoys heading that ball Luke Shaw possibly at times Maguire yes Linda Love no maybe 50-50 maybe you know there's not there's not five 
people that you would put your life on there were in a header in that size. So you have to you have to put to the personnel that you have, uh, and that is for them everybody back because then we cover more spaces. They're, they're fortunate that everyone's fairly big. You know, Shaw's probably the smallest at maybe five foot nine, five foot ten, but the majority of the players are all above six foot. Even Rashford's, you know, a, a six footer. So they've got the size. It's just that mentality that you need now to keep that ball out the back of the net. I'd like to thank you for your time. I know you do a lot of TV and you're in demand on there, but you should be coaching again, Ash. Do you plan to go back into management? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it's been a you know, 12, 18 months now before I coached. I'm um, just looking for the right opportunity to get back in you, and uh, you, obviously put, put the experience in there. You're based in Australia. Does anyone in Australia know you there? I know your partner's very high profile, but are you? No, nah, I've, I've, not, I've not put myself out there a lot. It's just going into a funny situation in the Australian League now. It's, it's shut down. There's a lot of players getting stood down. They're, they've got a salary cap here anyway that was $3.4 million. They're now saying this season's going to be 1.7. That's for the whole playing squad. So players have been asked to take all, take a 30% mandatory wage cut, which they've refused. The league now is saying it won't start till February, so it's a little bit all over the place and, and nobody knows what's happening. Um, there's actually a, which has presented opportunities to people in, in the country. Uh, an ex-Man United player actually has just been given the Melbourne victory job, uh, Grant Brebner, who was in, in the youth team with me. Scottish oh, lad. Yeah, he was best friends with Phil Neville. I think he went to Bernie maybe after Man United. Yeah, yeah, he was best. Yeah, he's just took the Melbourne victory job, so. All right, well, don't, um, don't So there, there don't will be opportunities there. in and around the country, but. Don't go to the City, the yeah. City Link Up one. Get another one. There's loads of people listening to this in Australia, so have a word if you've got contact. Get him a job and get him to destroy that City team in the A-League over there. Thanks for your time, Ash. Really appreciate yeah. it. Nice one.